Hey friends, Chris Renfro here. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church. We exist to make and send disciples of Jesus Christ, and our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word encourages and challenges you in your walk with Jesus. If you'd like to find out more or check out Hope Church, we invite you to join us at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find details at hopechurchjc.com. Enjoy the sermon. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And it would be really easy for us to just say, like, we don't even need a sermon now, right? That was awesome. That was really great. Uh, But we still do because I want to ask you the question, what does the Great Commission mean for you? And I'm going to talk fast, and then I hope that you can listen fast as we jump into Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, we have a heart for God's Word, and we want to give the Bible out to anybody that doesn't have one. So if you don't own a Bible, we've had some donors that have gifted us some really neat, nice Bibles that are at the welcome table. And if you'd like to grab one, you can. We've given away 18 Bibles at this point, the past three weeks, through Hope Church, and we're just grateful to be able to do that. So we want you to have God's Word because we believe that God's Word will change your life. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we're going to read this. It says that Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he promises, he says, and behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So the question today is, what does the Great Commission mean for you, and what does it mean for me? And I've got three things that I just want to share with you this morning. First, it's this, that we've got the power of Jesus. The Great Commission means that we've got the power of Jesus. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus has all the power. If you read Colossians 1, 15 through 20, you can see this. It says that he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We see this all about Jesus. It's all from Jesus. It's all for Jesus. He holds all things together. I know I just said the word all a lot, but that matters because it's all in and through him. And that should give us great courage. We've got that power inside of us. We've got the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's no like new version of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who filled the apostles, who filled the disciples, who were there in the beginning is the same Holy Spirit for you and me. If you're, if you're a child in this room, if you're a middle schooler, if you're a high schooler, there's no junior version of the Holy Spirit. It's not like you get half the Holy Spirit because you're 13 years old. No, you get the same Holy Spirit that the apostle Paul had. You get the same power. And God can work in and through you. And you may say, well, that's great. That's a nice point. Colossians, that was a long verse that you read there. But that doesn't give me any more courage to share. 
I'm convinced that we will never experience the courage that comes from Christ's authority until we've actually taken the first step of sharing. Until we actually get to the point and we see the necessity and we have the will to go to somebody and to actually talk to them about the gospel. Jesus' authority is what enables us to fulfill the mission that he has given us. And him telling them all authority had been given to him was a reminder of what they already knew. They knew that he had all authority because he had done this one really special thing. He had just risen from the dead. And that's what we believe as followers of Jesus. Like if, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, if he actually conquered death, which is what 1 Corinthians 15 talks about, where it says like if, that's a huge hinge point for all that we believe because if, if that didn't actually happen, everything that we're doing is in vain. Like this whole gathering on Sunday and singing worship songs and going over to Southeast Asia and giving your life for that, like it's all a waste. And we then are the most of all people to be pitied. But if he actually did raise from the dead, then there's no price that's not worth paying. There's no sacrifice too great. There's no generosity level that's too much. There's no one who doesn't deserve or need to hear. And listen, friend, if, if Jesus has not come back from the dead in your life, he'll never have authority in or over it. There's no, no mission that will ever make sense. There's no sacrifice that will be worth giving. But if he did, we can have confidence. We can have confidence that it's worth it. That all of this that we're doing is worth it so that more people can come to know him. So that they can spend eternity with him. The second thing is this. That we've got the plan of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Do you ever wonder, I don't, I have these weird, maybe it's because I went to seminary or something, but like I have these weird thoughts when I read the Bible, like why did that happen? Like why, when Jesus ascended into heaven, like why didn't he take his disciples with him? You read Acts 1 and you see and there's Jesus and he's like, all right, I'm back, here I am. See you later. And he like floats on up in a cloud and there he goes. And they're like, what just happened? Like, we thought you were coming back for us. Why didn't you take us? And he's like, nope, that wasn't the plan. The plan was actually that you would go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth to make more disciples. And then I'm going to come back another time, but I'm not going to tell you when that is, when that is. And now we're here and we're like 2000 years later and we're still like, Jesus come soon. Like, Come on, man, like, we're waiting here. This, this, this world's getting pretty rough. Like it's, we're going downhill. We're not going uphill right now, and we're waiting. But he didn't do that. Why? Please don't miss it. It's because we are, we are not here. We are not on earth as followers of Jesus for ourselves. We are not saved or we are saved and we remain on earth to live for Christ, to bring God glory, to, as Grace said, multiply his image and his name in the world, to share his love and to share the truth of God's word with those who don't have it, with those who are in our path on a daily basis, those that we interact with, and then intentionally to go across the street, across the nation, across the world, to cross boundaries and take it to those that we know don't have access to it. 
Jesus said in John 15, 8, he said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I mean, we're, like, we're three weeks in. We've had a core team. We had four months before that. And we had some other stuff happening. But I can tell you this. There is a danger in going to a church plant. There's a danger in going to a church plant. And it's this. It can, it's that you could, you could look like you're actually doing something new for the kingdom without actually contributing anything new to the kingdom. That you could come in and you could sit around people and you could see more people coming in. You can hear the stories and you can tell people, oh, we gave to a missionary this Sunday and it was great and we did this. And we're like around people who are doing something new for the kingdom. And you put yourself in proximity, but you haven't realigned your life. You haven't done anything new. You just kind of come and sit in the chairs. And that's a great danger. There's three verbs in, the, in these verses. The first is go. And go means go. It's intentional movement. Jesus went. He crossed the Sea of Galilee. He crossed to different countries. He went into Samaria. He went into Roman territories. He went all the way up to Caesarea Philippi. He actually went. He didn't say, I'm just going to go kind of those that maybe I interact with here or there, or I'm going to go hang out in Jerusalem, and if anybody comes my way, then I may try to talk to them. No, he took his disciples, and for three years, he went all around where he was, and he shared the good news of himself. He shared himself with others. What would it look like for you? What would it look like for you to go? And maybe in this season, maybe right now, it's just that, is, that means to go to the gym and to talk to somebody who you interact with there or to go to your kid's ball game and to be intentional about the people that you talk to there. Or students, you go to your school and you view your school as a mission field instead of just some lame place that you gotta go five days a week. But it's a mission field that you get to share the gospel with those who desperately need it. The Great Commission commands us to go beyond ourselves, our comfort zone, to make the gospel accessible to those who don't know Jesus. Second verb is this, to baptize. Baptism is public profession. It's identifying with Christ. And for so many of us, we're like, ah, that's just a delay. That's an old thing. We don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to actually, actually publicly identify with Jesus. I don't need to actually get baptized. I don't need to actually be immersed. It matters for Christians in Afghanistan. It matters for those who have publicly identified in hard places when it cost them something. When their neighbors see what they've done. And I think so often, I'm afraid that we've become accustomed to cheap grace from a cheap faith. I'll do it as long as it doesn't take anything from me, as long as I don't have to realign any of my life, as long as I don't have to do anything different, as long as I don't have to give, as long as I don't have to go, as long as I don't have to do something else that will make me uncomfortable, then I will do it. And it's cheap grace. I'm not trying to come down on anybody, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I want you to live, I want you to live for more. I want you to live for more than just this culture that we have and this thing that we have. We're just trying to build and gain and do more and get more and do more. There's so much more to life than that. Third thing is this. He, he, it's, it's the word teach. There's never been a disciple since Jesus who has not been discipled by another disciple. And you're like, what did you just say? I don't even know what that, like, there has never been a disciple since Jesus. 
who has not been discipled by another disciple of Jesus. Somebody taught you. And we, meet, we need more disciple-making disciples. We need more people to take the faith that they've been given and then go share it with others and then teach those people what it looks like and what it means to walk with Jesus. And all of that points towards making disciples of all nations, not just America, not just Johns Creek, not just Alpharetta, not just Mexico, not just Canada, not just our hemisphere, all nations, every nation. Hey, there's this great verse that I recently heard that I had in my sermon that I didn't even know we were going to share it earlier, but it's from Revelation 7, 9 and 10. You may have just heard it about eight minutes ago because that's what Grace put on her prayer card. I'm going to read it again for you. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Every nation, all tribes, all languages. Robert Coleman wrote in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, he said, contrary to our popular thinking, there was never a distinction in in Jesus' mind between home and overseas missions. To him, it was all just evangelism. So what does that mean for Hope Church? What does that mean for us as we're a new church plant and we're getting started and we're getting our feet under us and we're building a foundation we're trying to see what is it that God's leading us to and calling us to? It means this, that we're going to be an outward-focused church. As I've talked with Jordan, as I've talked with Carlos, as I've talked with our staff, I've said we are going to be an outward-focused church. Since we started doing preview services in April's, in April, April's, um, here are a few things that you have been able to do through Hope Church. You've been able to support missionaries, church planters, and send relief through giving every single week. 10% of what we get in, we give back to, like I said, to the cooperative program that goes to support missionaries, church planters, and ministers all over the world. Every single week, we do that. You've supported our friend, Hector, at Missio Day in Puerto Rico. They launched one week before us, and we were able to support them, and we're gonna continue to do more support for them in Puerto Rico. You've supported Restoring Dignity, by providing clothes and supplies for foster kids, by providing duffel bags for those in need. You've had a part in blessing the staff of Finley Oaks Elementary School with breakfast and gift cards. You've helped scholarship two young men that are in ministry, Tyler Joyner and Ben Wagman, who are preparing for more ministry and pastoral ministry through seminary. And today you are able to bless Grace as she prepares to go on the mission field. So I added all that up, and that, um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to share this, but I'm going to share it, Jordan, and you're going to be mad at me later. But I added all that up. That represents 25% of the tithes that we've brought in since we started. 25% of what you have given, we have been able to give away to others. And honestly, I added that up, and I was like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, that's a lot. Uh, 
Like, I've never heard of a church dying because they gave away too much. But wouldn't that be a way to go, right? Like, if there's a way to go, like, that's the way. Like, we'll be a flash in the pan and, like, we're going to look later and be like, I don't know, there was eight churches that came out of us and a bunch of missionaries, but we couldn't, we ran out of money. Like, that's a way to go. I'm okay with going that way. Here's why. Because this is a big deal. This is what we're sharing. Because moving forward, this is our mission statement for the next 10 years. This is our mission statement that Hope Church, we exist to make and send disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And everything we do from our budget to our staffing to our salaries to our gifts to, to our giving, it all aligns. Does this, does this help us make and does this help us send disciples of Jesus Christ? And that's going to flow right into our vision for how we make that happen. And you say, I want to hear the vision. Come to our family gathering on September 12th, right after church. We're going to do a luncheon for everybody in Hope Church. Uh, Whether you are officially part of the family or you're just checking this thing out and you're like, I don't know, it's my first Sunday. Come September 12th and we want to share with you our, our budget for next year and share with you our vision for what that's going to look like and how we're going to move forward. Move forward. So you say, what can I do? I'm going to share just a couple things with you. Uh, one, you can pray for opportunities. When I pray for opportunities to share the gospel, they often come. We have, well, we have cards. Um, Natalie just had a great idea this week. I uh, said, so what if we had prayer cards at our table for our church to be able to pray for all sorts of missionaries overseas? And so we have prayer cards at our welcome table. You can just go grab one, put it in your car, put it on your fridge, put it somewhere where you see it, and pray for missionaries, and pray as you pray for other missionaries for yourself to be a missionary. Keep your eyes open for opportunities. One of my favorite stories of like our short life of Hope Church has been of the time that we had a men's breakfast over at Egg Harbor Cafe. And right afterwards, there's a bunch of us standing around. We're just talking about golf, and a couple of us had Hope Church t-shirts on. And, and, a, and a guy came up to us, Dennis Webb. And I, Dennis, there you are, man. Dennis Webb comes walking up to us. He's like, hey, man, are you, are you guys part of a church around here? We said, we are. He's like, I didn't even know churches meet in person around here. And we're like, well, they do. That's us. Like, we do. And, and Dennis and Miss Karen came the next week and have been here every Sunday since and have been such an encouragement to me. And I'm so grateful for y'all. Just keeping your eyes open for opportunities. At a men's breakfast, somebody walking up and saying hello, starting those conversations. The third thing you can do is you can live hospitably. It can start at your dinner table. It can start at the ball field. It can start at the gym. It can start in your workplace. It can start at school. But to live hospitably, to be kind, to care for people, to care about what's happening in their lives, to ask good questions. To actually see people. Last thing, the promise we have from Jesus is that we've got the presence of Jesus. We've got the presence of Jesus. We've got the power of Jesus, the plan of Jesus, and we've got the presence of Jesus. He said, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's another promise that we see from Hebrews 13 5, where we see that Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I realize that I can't save people, we can't save people but we do get Jesus. And I desperately want people to get him as well. 
And I've botched so many gospel conversations. And I've had so many, like, trying to invite neighbors or trying to invite friends to come to Hope Church or talk about the guy. And, like, it's just, it's just gone terrible. Like, and I'm just like, I, I don't know. They're probably never going to want to talk to me again. Like, that was, that was so bad. And I've, 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 I've done it. I get it. I get that it can be hard. I get that it can be awkward. But I've still yet to regret trying. So I'll close with this. Ultimately, we must all ask ourselves the question, what does the Great Commission mean for me? You can hear about what it means for Hope Church. You can hear about what it means for your pastor. You can hear about what it means for grace. But I want you to be able to answer the question when you leave here today, what does the Great Commission mean for me? If Jesus were to come and ask you that question, how are you fulfilling the Great Commission, what would your answer be? For me, in a season about two years ago, I, I felt like God was putting on my heart to plant a church that would be a missions-minded church with my family here in this area that we love and we've lived in for seven years. That's what I felt like God was calling us to do. And it was hard, and it was not easy, and it has not been an easy road since. But God's been so faithful all along the way. Maybe for you, what the Great Commission means for you is that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You can't fulfill the Great Commission if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you may have heard about Jesus. You may have gone to something, a confession one time, or you had some guy sprinkle some water on you, or you did something, your family took a picture, and that was cool. But, like, but you have never actually aligned your life. You've never actually said, Jesus, I need you, and I'm surrendering all that I have to give you all of me. You've never actually confessed your sin. I said, Lord, forgive me. Would you give me a new life? For you, the Great Commission starts there. And today you can do that. You can give your life to him today. And it will change everything. It's the greatest thing that you can possibly do. Maybe for you, God is, maybe for you, God is drawing your heart to, to serve in ministry or to serve in missions. And maybe it's, I just need to go on a mission trip and see what that's like. Or, or maybe you're like, I need to find out more about what it would look like for my family to go, for me to go and me to serve in another country where people don't have access to the gospel. Or maybe for some of you, and there's some of you out here, and I know, like, and God's like stirring on your heart of like, man, I, I don't know if I want to do ministry. I don't know if I want to be a pastor. I don't know if I can do that. But like God's working, and, and you know. And I'm praying for you, and we're here for you. We want to support missionaries and pastors. We want to send missionaries and pastors. We want to raise up the next generation of missionaries and pastors. Maybe for you, you're just thinking, I need to finally start that conversation with my brother. I need to finally start that conversation with my mom. I need to finally start that conversation with my neighbor or with my coworker. If one of those things is you, and you're sitting here, and you're thinking, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Or I need, to, I need to take some next steps as a disciple and I just need somebody to help me. Or maybe God's leading you and you say, I, I, I feel like God's doing something in my heart right now to serve in, in ministry or to serve in missions and to, 
to maybe realign my life to go that direction. I've got a phone number that you can text, and it's on the screen right here. Um, surprise, surprise, it's my phone number. So you can, you can text me. And if you're a lady in here, I will immediately get you connected to my wife or connected to one of our ministry leaders. Um, if you text me and, and you're a guy, I, I want to follow up with you. I want to help you. I want to meet with you. I may connect you with another one of our mature disciples of Jesus that are in the church, but we're here to help you. That's what we want to do. Hey, I know we've gone long this morning. But I just want to I want us to dream for a second. And I just want to ask you the question. What would it look like if we all fulfilled the Great Commission? It would look all it would look different for every one of us in this room. There's not a single one of us in here that would have the same story. Man, but what would the impact for the kingdom be? A hundred years from now, two hundred years from now, a million years from now, when we look back and we see friends and neighbors and family members who are with us in eternity with Jesus. When we see you for eternity with Jesus. I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on stage and close us with one more song. But I would just say, if that's you today, would you send me a message? Would you talk to somebody after the service? We're here for you. We have people all around, people in Hope Church t-shirts, people with badges on. If you just need prayer, you just need somebody to encourage you, that is why Hope Church exists. That's why God called us to do this. That's why we're here today. Would you pray with me?